Today's episode is brought to you by Whoop. Whoop is a fitness tracker that provides daily insight into your recovery, your strain, and your sleep. You might have seen it on the wrist of Rory as he won the Tour Championship or other Tour players. I had to find out more, so I reached out, got my own band, talked to some of the folks at Whoop, and I was blown away. And then, lucky enough, they wanted to support and sponsor the podcast and let more folks know about it as well. Here are the three things you need to know. There's three metrics, strain, recovery, and sleep. Strain is for those that are looking to track more than just steps. Track how strenuous your day is from start to finish. And this is key, get insight into how much you exert yourself during training. The second one is recovery. That is so you can get daily insight into how ready your body is to perform by looking at some biometrics such as heart rate variability, resting heart rate, and sleep performance. The last one is sleep. It's all about optimizing the way that you sleep by getting target sleep times based on how strenuous your day was and your performance goals. You can monitor your sleep stages, cycles, time in bed, actual sleep, sleep efficiency, and so much more. And, you know, the best players in the world are paying attention to this, as we found out from the Whoop CEO, Will Ahmed. You know, Justin Thomas was telling me how obsessed he is with sleep. This is a guy who will just get up in the middle of dinner to go to bed if he feels like he's not going to bed at the appropriate time because he knows that he has to get a certain number of hours of sleep in order to feel that recovered, in order to feel, you know, peak on the day of the tournament or, you know, even on the weekends, right? Uh, he was saying that he actually had a green recovery on the Sunday of leading the BMW tournament. I think that's pretty cool, right? You know, normally when you're leading the tournament, you're going to feel an additional level of stress. In his case, it was the opposite because he's figured out ways to to train his body and and to use Whoop. Definitely check this out and learn more about Whoop. It's w h o o p dot com. Use the code GSL for fifteen percent off your membership. That is GSL. Definitely go check out Whoop dot com. You are listening to the Golf Science Lab podcast. My name is Cordy Walker, and I'm on a mission to figure out how to improve the way that we learn and get better at golf. I've been able to travel all over the world talking to leaders in the industry, from instructors to researchers to golfers themselves, learning how they're getting better at golf and what that means for you. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Golf Science Lab podcast. It is so good to be back with you. And today, we are doing a bit of a catch-up, a recap. If you didn't know, earlier this year, we started a Powered by Golf Science Lab podcast called Tour Coach. It was with Tony Ruggiero, who's been a friend of the program. They've done a bunch of videos with him and trips and just some really awesome experiences. And I thought, what if we could go behind the scenes of teaching on tour with him, talk to the players on a regular basis that he works with, talk with the team members, and really try to do something different in this golf podcast landscape. And so that's what we've done here in 2019. Tour Coach, it's on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can go listen to it and check out all the amazing episodes. Like, for instance, we're going to talk about it right away here in our conversation by Andy Ogletree, the U.S. Amateur Champion, was on. He works with Tony. You know, we had Lucas has been on a number of times, Lucas Glover, talked to Tom Lovelady and Sepp Straka and all these great guys uh, on tour and then talking with the team members and groups of people. It's been 
really fun to work with Tony on this show. So we caught up quickly here, wanted to talk about this year, talk about off-season plans, you know, what do tour players do during the off-season? What do you do as an instructor do during the off-season with, uh, you know, the best players in the world here? And thought we'd go uh, behind the scenes on a quick recap. If you're not subscribed to Tour Coach, make sure to go over and do that now. But other than that, let's get into it. Tony, it's good to sit back down with you on the podcast. It is, uh, it's been a little bit. I'm sure that uh, your one Twitter follower who doesn't like it being the year of the douche sweeper is probably not thrilled about us sitting down here. Um, <laughs> but, uh, we should we should fill people in that we do have a Twitter follower who has said that it uh, there's just too much douche sweeper here this year. It's been the year of the douche sweeper. So, well, I mean, I think obviously you know which I think is interesting. Let's talk about this for a minute. Is obviously you've you've done two or three projects with us coming to programs that we do. Yeah. I think it's interesting because if you look at a lot of the information that Golf Science Lab has put out, first of all, like that, the stuff you've put out on practice and different things you've done, you've done lots of stuff that don't involve us. But a lot of the stuff that you've done at camps and at programs with us, you've done stuff with Greg Carton. I know you've got some stuff where you've filmed some stuff with Mac Barnhart and different things. So there's lots of content coming out of that, not all revolved around me. I'm not too sure that that negates the fact that it might still be too much do sweeper here for this Twitter follower because we're we're pulling in the the full team it seems like in a lot of this content which I've just really enjoyed and it's been amazing stuff you know I think that one of the things that we've done and I think that I've tried to do you know you catching up here on the podcast is tried to show you know I think lots of people have teams but like I think our team is pretty close and we do a lot together whether they're junior players club members or their PGA Tour players, we work together. And, you know, so I've tried through the course of this, you know, of this podcast, which is what going on our, what, eighth month or so, something like that. Yeah. And, you know, we've put a fair number of these out and uh, we've gotten great response. But like to to highlight different parts of the team and how we all work differently and together. And, uh, you know, I think it's been fascinating. And, and then the opportunity also that came about, you spent some time with me there this year in August, we opened up at Frederica and, and, um, you know, put opened up at the learning center there. And it's been an incredible opportunity and an incredible place for me because the facilities combined with everything you have there, and then the opportunity to bring really ambitious, good young players, people wanting to get better and then surround them with this team in a more regular basis. And we've I've kind of rotated out the team. Dr. Greg, Greg's been there a couple times. Wayne Flint's been there. Mark Wood's been there. Colby came up. Scott Lynn came up. So it's it's interesting. You know, we've had the op- – so it's been uh, – the stuff we've talked about here on the tour coach is we've kind of – that's kind of progressed more and more to where we're more active all together, I think, with, with the opportunities that have happened at Frederica. So I want to talk about Frederica. I want to talk about what you're doing with players during the off season. But before that, one of my favorite episodes from this past year was you sitting down with Andy Ogletree. And Andy won the US Amateur, which was amazing. And he's a student of yours, actually. And so you guys sat down after the win to reflect on it, to talk about his journey, to talk about everything that he's gone through, what you guys have worked on. And it was just a, a really, really cool behind the scenes look at what's going on here uh, in this, you know, at amateur golf at, at the very, very highest level. One of, one of the cooler moments 
you know, teaching in a long time or maybe ever. I mean, I've, you know, I, I tried to think I always, as you get towards the end of the year and, you know, you have things going on in life and in business and in golf and all of your stuff. You try, sometimes you sit and you start thinking of the things that like, Hey, what was, you know, what were the highlights and the highs and the lows? And I've been very fortunate to, you know, I mean, I haven't had wins like Butch or, you know, Sean Foley or some of those guys, but we've had some guys play some nice golf and, you know, I mean, like that was a pretty, pretty damn good day. I mean, <laughs> you know, watching them play that whole week and the interaction that we had through the week of sending videos and like texting and talking about how he was hitting it and how to prepare and, and then watching his mental state as he got more and more belief and certainty that he could win that thing as the week went on was really cool for me as a teacher. And one of the cooler things I've been a part of and, and, you know, I mean, I've shared this with you. He's a great player, but he's been an awesome guy to work with. He's one of my lower maintenance guys. But now our job has shifted. He's obviously got basically a semester left at Georgia Tech, and they're in the hunt to win a national championship. They're a great team. Coach Hepler up there has done a phenomenal job, not just with Andy, but that whole team. I mean, and they're so well prepared, and, and Andy has been so focused on his short game and scoring. He's done such a great job. You know, so my job now is a as a swing coach and team coach here as we start to surround him with people and things that he'll need as he goes to the next level and to really make sure that he's prepared for what looks like I would guess is going to be a his first tour start would probably you know as a professional is probably going to be the U.S. Open so exciting things ahead with him and I'm sure we're going to hear more from him as we go through the spring and we talk about stuff coming up. No, absolutely. I remember like one of the pieces around that podcast, I, you know, I'd ask like, Hey, can you send me a video of him? And you sent a video of like that he had literally sent you from the range of Pinehurst, yeah, like yeah. to check out his swing. Like that, that was pretty funny. So yeah, I mean, you guys are working that whole week, obviously still. Yeah. And we still do. He's, you know, he's out, he's out in Monterey Peninsula, the finishing up the last term of the year. And, you know, he sent me a video from out there and then I'm going up to see him in a day or so, or, you know, this next in the next few days and see him, he's going to have his first time he's been home since winning the amateur. It's going to be awfully nice to be part of that, but we're going to sneak in a little work and then we'll do some more off season stuff as we get ready for next year. Big off season for him. When you start talking about off season, what do you think? I mean, you have a lot of college players you work with, you know, all kinds from D one to D three and, you know, everywhere in between. What do you think separates him from the rest? Because I mean, his swing is maybe a little unorthodox. I mean, it, you know, it, it's his swing. Like what separates him or like what allows him to, you know, win the U.S. Amateur, be be an elite player and do so well? Any ideas? I think there's a couple things. I think one, he doesn't try to swing like anybody else. I think it's really easy for guys that are good players when they get to college, especially major programs and they're they're surrounded and have access to lots of stuff right and and then they go and they've all played you know most of these really good players all play the same basic tournament schedule throughout the year and so you're you're around lots of information you're around lots of great players it's easy to get caught up in what other people do and i think he's done a hell of a job of figuring out what he needs to do and understand what he needs to do and sticking to that. I think he does that as good as anybody I've ever seen his age and probably better. And so, you know, Robbie Shelton would have been the other one that at that age that I thought was really, really good at knowing what he needed to do. And so I think that's his strength. I think he has a great understanding of his golf swing, what he wants it to do, doesn't care if it looks or 
does exactly or numbers or whatever exactly like what other people might think is ideal. And then I think he's I think the other trade is that he's trying to get better every year, but he's not looking for like these huge spikes. He's not looking to like go from, you know, whatever, you know, like to be the best player in the world in one in one semester. He's trying to get better every year and understands that it's a process and he's very committed to eliminating weaknesses. And, you know, I know we talked about it, I think, in the podcast. When I went to Pebble with him last year's amateur, we had to talk about the fact that he needed to just, like, you don't need to play any better or get hit the golf ball any better, rather. You need to tidy up the details. I always call it, I uh, heard it from caddy Jimmy Johnson, you, it's brushing your teeth. Like, you brush your teeth each day. You clean, you just clean up the little things. Like, you know, work on eliminating three putts. Make sure you don't short side yourself. Don't make bogeys with wedges. You know, uh, don't bogey par fives. Those types of maintenance things are the difference between what he was shooting, you know, and what he's shooting now and, and how he won the amateur. And if you watch the amateur, you know, he didn't ever beat himself by making any of those mistakes. I think that's what, I think that's why he won, but I thought that was cool because a year ago we stood on the putting green at Pebble at the practice putting green and we had that conversation like about, he's like, well, what do I need to do to make another big step? And I was like, I, I don't think it's your golf swing. I mean, I, we're going to continue to clean up and tidy up and, and refine, but your golf swings, your golf swing, you're a great player. We got to get where you clean up and tidy up your rounds, brush your teeth every day. Yeah. No, I think that's a, a really consistent theme, uh, you know, of, of maybe you haven't said it in that way, you know, but like of all of your players, like it's, you're always working on the golf swing because, you know, it's, it's always evolving. Like our bodies are always changing et cetera, et cetera. So you always have to work on that, but it's the other things that separate. And then people get in trouble when they go chasing down, you know, some rabbit hole and ignore that, that brushing their teeth and doing the the fundamentals, doing the important things that actually matter when it comes to scoring. Yeah. And I, and I stole that from Jimmy Johnson, obviously. And I always, we always joke about it, but like told me that at the first tour event I went to ever with Bobby Wyatt. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I've just always liked it. I've liked the analogy and, I stress that, you know, I used to just stress it to like those guys, but more and more, I think that if you can get younger players, whether they're in high school or what have you, to understand the importance of like, I mean, your golf swings, your golf swing, you're going to keep improving it, but like your golf swing doesn't have to be perfect to play far better most of the time than you, than they play, you know? And so to me, that speech, I'm sure, you know, most of my juniors and those people have heard that stuff. But, you know, there's so many factors now in becoming a great player. And one of them is cleaning up the details. Yeah. And it's funny. You said there's only two guys. You said Andy and then Robbie Shelton that you know that did that really well of owning what they had and and working on those other things. Yeah. And I think Bobby Wyatt did a really good job of that in college. Yeah. But like Robbie has always done that. I mean, I thought that was like one of his strengths is that he understood what he did didn't necessarily listen to lots of stuff, just stayed committed to what he did. And I think he's done a nice job. And and to his credit, even when he didn't necessarily play as good as he wanted coming out of school, he didn't veer off from that. He didn't change from that. He stayed committed to what he does. And now he's on the PGA Tour and he's had a just a bunch of success in the fall. And you're going to hear from him in an upcoming episode. I mean, like we joke, I mean, like I didn't really see him much from January or from February all the way till Vegas 
because he was playing great. He knew what he was doing. And I think that's a cool thing as a teacher. Like, I mean, it's sometimes teachers get their feelings hurt. Somebody doesn't need them. But, like, I mean, guy's playing great, winning. He's getting his tour card. I mean, what the hell am I going to do? You know, I mean, I'm going to go mess him up. So, but, like, I think you – and I think that'll be a great podcast that we have coming up. But, you know, Andy's another one. Andy understands his game and the things he's got to do to get better. Was it I, – I might be way off base here, but was it Robbie coming out of school – did he try to change a swing or try to hit it farther his his first year out there? Was it something no, like no. that? No, no. I mean, I think in college, I think his second year, he, he tried to hit it a little further, you know, and that did some stuff on track, man. And I think it changed, you know, and then he didn't play as good as sophomore year, right? But then got back to what he did as a, you know, in that summer. And that's the summer that he almost won the Barbasol up at Auburn as an amateur. You know, he was third or fourth, something like that, finished. And so, you know, I but I think there's, the, look, the road, you know, to the PGA Tour and and if you look at golf, there's tons of examples of people that undo themselves by trying to become something more than what they are or try to or think that if they get five extra yards or they make their golf swing a little more laid off or a little more over whatever, that that's going to be what takes them to the next level. And I think that most of those people, when they're all said and done, realize that what kept them from getting where they were going wasn't a move in their golf swing. It was something else. And and I think that's I think that's a lesson that everybody trying to get better would benefit from. Absolutely. So you're up at Frederica now, which is an amazing, amazing facility, probably one of the nicest places I've ever been. And, you know, on Instagram and whatnot, seeing the guys are coming up to see you. Lucas has been up there. Tom was just up there a little while ago. Um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, like what is the off season looking like here, you know, with your guys? Like, what are you, what are you working on? Like, you know, why do they come see you? Like that kind of thing. Well, I think everybody's different. You tailor the program to each of them. Obviously, you know, so we'll use Lucas as an example. Obviously, he played the whole year, made it to the tour championship, which was a goal. So it was obviously a, a really good year. Still have things I know that he wants to accomplish and improve on this year. And so, you know, he took a couple weeks off. And when he came to Frederica, it was to kind of get back in the swing of things and get ready for the fall wraparound. And, you know, played, didn't play great in, um, you know, in Napa or, or Jackson. Didn't chip it or putt it great either. And then played really good in Vegas, had a, had a good chance there, top 10. And then played, you know, average over in in, uh, in Asia on the Asian swing and, you know, had a couple tournaments where he hit it way better than the score, which happened. So, you know, I, I mean, we've got uh, RSM coming up and uh, we're going to do some work for that and, you know, tr- improve. And then I think, you know, it's like for a player like him, it'll be rest, really try to get some rest, you know, f- for December, get a good month off to kind of hit the reset button. I'm sure he'll do a bunch of work with Colby down in the gym down there at Joey D's down in Jupiter. And then in January, you know, we'll get fired back up. So like for him, I think he's in a great place with his golf swing. I think fatigue is a, is a good part of it. And rest is the biggest thing. And then you look at, uh, you know, like you mentioned Tom. So Tom's in and I mean, he was working towards Q school and the things to get status back. And he's over in Europe right now going to European Q school. Uh, so, you know, you've got different different folks, you know. Uh, you know, I know Robbie and those guys are coming in RSM week and we're going to do some work. But I think that for the most part, those most of the people, there's just not a real off season anymore. And so you're, you're trying to help everybody get the most they can out of the fall because the better you play in the fall, 
set yourself up for a much easier spring and summer run. But I think everybody needs rest, me included. So, you know, I think <laughs> that uh, we're we're near where we've got a few weeks left, and then I think everybody's really going to take some time to get some rest, and then most of our work will uh, kind of where this podcast picked up, which was at uh, golf camp down in South Florida in January where we taped the first ones. You know, I think January will be where we do the bulk of our off-season work and getting people ready. I think right now, for most of the guys I work with, rest is is one of the main things that's in order. What does rest mean? Is Are they just, they're not going to the golf course, they're going, you know, once a week? Or what What does that actually actually look like? I think each one's different. I mean, I think, a, you know, like a guy like Sepp plays golf all the time. He'll still play all the time, right? But you'd be home, won't travel as much, and obviously take time to do stuff with family and friends. And But, I, you know, a guy like Lucas is probably going to spend a bunch of time at home, you know, with his with his family, you know, doing stuff, you know, I'm sure he's going to still practice and play some, but just won't be as intense and won't be as much of a grind. So I think that's different for everybody. You know, a guy like Robbie Shelton's going to spend a bunch of time up in the woods hunting and doing stuff like that. You know, he took a week, a couple weeks ago, went up to Indiana, I think it was, and did a bunch of hunting. So like, I think everybody's different, but I think everybody's going to do the things that they try to do to get away from the game a little bit. And I think that's important. I think having balance around you is is healthy for uh for playing golf you know so luke guthrie just had a baby had a baby boy and so you know obviously he's got new demands on his time and an exciting stuff going on so we're going to work in a week or so over uh, up over at frederica but you know he's in a good place with his golf swing and i've talked about this on this show before on this podcast and you and i've talked about it away like i think that there's a lot when a guy's in a real good place away from the golf course and has a lot of good things going on, I mean, I think you generally see a transfer to the golf course. And I think you're going to see that with Luke Guthrie. I think we've been working on the same thing and he's been working on his body to get better at doing it uh, really since his off season started. And, uh, you know, so I think you're going to see him come out of the, out of the gates really good. Do you guys ever get scared that they're going to like, lose their momentum or lose their mojo if they they take a month off or something like that and get a little rest yeah i mean you know i think some guys you know i mean there's guys that like i know i'll use an example like you know throughout last year when sep was playing really good at the summer and and he you know had played i forget i don't know it was like 10 weeks in a row or eight weeks in a row and could have taken like the last week off because he was safely in the in the playoffs but he didn't want to not play when he was playing so good and I think it's a balancing act for those guys when they're hot and they're playing really good they want to keep playing but I think some of the job as a coach and you know every player's different some players take more advice from you than others and consult with you more than others some you just give them swing advice and that's it but you know is to help the player see the big picture right is like you know I mean you're playing good but if you're not rested you know you're going to fall into bad habits or you're going to you can't play good. You can't play 20 weeks in a row. I mean, you just can't do it physically and with the travel. So, you know, it's a balancing act, but I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, I think in general, when a guy's playing good, he wants to keep playing. That's human nature, but you have to help them see that rest is important, you know, and I think the better you play and the further you up in the rankings, like, you know, if you, if you're in everything and you're in all the WGCs, like Lucas has earned from, finishing in the making the tour championship then i mean i think it helps your schedule you're able to schedule a little better versus a guy coming off the web he's got to play most every event he gets in to secure his job status is you know that you're able to set your schedule and plan your rest 
less. So, you know, I think that, uh, so the better you play, the easier it is to plan your schedule. And obviously the further along you are, uh, the better you get at that. And does the off season or like some of the prep that you're doing look any different for, you know, you, you had a really good year last year. A lot of players staying on the PGA tour, uh, a guy like Robbie getting out there, you know, a lot of really good things happening, but you know, a player like Tom, who's now going to European Q school, like, does it change, you know, kind of the work that you're doing depending on, you know, where they're, they're headed right now, or is it all just, or does it all kind of look the same regardless of, of, you know, where they're at? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I think, you know, I'm, I'm a big plan guy. So I, I think, I don't think any plan for any player that I currently have is going to change very much. You know, we're going to evaluate their stats from the past year, look at the things that we need to improve on, find ways to address them, you know, but like, you know, certain players, like I think for Lucas, the biggest thing is rest. I really feel like he had a great year, gave himself lots of great opportunities, got a great 2020 ahead of him schedule wise, you know, in all the majors. So like, I think being prepared and rested for him is, is the most important. Like, I don't think we need to change his golf swing or make it any better, you know? Like you take somebody like Robbie who started out, played great all summer. We didn't really work very much because he was playing great last month or so. Probably hasn't played as good as he'd like for sure. So we'll kind of start, we'll kind of sit down over, over the next, you know, next little bit and, and see what's different from when he was playing good versus now and, and kind of hit the reset button. And I would say that rest and a little bit of a reprieve from the grind of golf is probably in order for him as well. That'll help that. But every situation is different, but I don't think you're, I don't have a single player that I'm going to change or that I don't think that they're going to change direction in what they're doing and, and what their approach is. I mean, they've, they've all to a certain extent, you know, had good years and success like a guy like Zach Suker, you know, a great year. He's got a great opportunity this year at his best, you know, really played his best and he's gained a lot of confidence. Like to me, I think the big difference with him is now because of his hard work and because of how he's played, he actually has confidence and believes he belongs out there and has a, and believes he can compete and win versus like hoping to make cuts or just wanting to make cuts. So to me the biggest thing is his outlook and his approach to what he's trying to do is different and helping continue to push that, continue to push him to work on the things that he needs to work on maintaining the good things he's doing a lot of it's maintenance when when you've had good years totally and i kind of asked that because you know a lot of people probably think uh, you know so somebody like tom didn't retain his pga tour card here and you know a lot of folks would think like oh you know maybe it's time to start you know, changing something or we got to look at this or look at that or blah 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 yeah. right but from what you just said that's not happening right but like so tom's a good example though like so it would be easy for a lot of folks to say you know he lost his card uh, didn't finish in the top 200, um, you know, played, I thought he played pretty nice coming down the last stretch of the season, you know, didn't play as good as he wanted on Saturdays or Sundays a couple times, but he gave himself some good chances. That would be a case where like lot, I think that a lots of folks and lots of agents and different people out there be like, Oh, you got to go do something different. But I mean, if anything, Tom has become more resolved to sticking with what he's doing and getting back to, the things he he's done when he's played really well. I mean, a year, not this past year, year before he almost won the Barbasol up at Kentucky, finished second, had a putt on 18 to get into a playoff. So like he's proven to himself that he belongs and he can play out there. He's just got to get back to doing what Tom Lovelady does. And, you know, I think he's put in, you've, you've seen the videos and stuff on Instagram. Like he's put a lot of work in this off season with me and just getting back to that. So just because you've had a bad year, 
I don't think necessarily means you need to change what you're doing. Maybe you need to refocus, regroup, and get back to doing it. But, uh, you know, I think it's a good lesson for lots of players out there. Just because you had a bad year or didn't get where you want doesn't mean you're necessarily everything that you're doing is wrong. Yeah, I, I mean, it, his technique and his skills got him there. And there's a lot more besides that going on, you know, when when you're playing like that. I mean, there's the whole travel and adapting to this new kind of, you know, life that's happening now that you're out on tour. And there's all these other skills that you have to grow and learn. And so now when he gets back, you know, hopefully he's more prepared. So it's not a, hey, let's go, uh, you know, maybe we should start hitting a draw instead of a fade or, you know, maybe, you know, like it's it's not something like that. that that's not what needs to happen um, to get him back there. Yeah. And I mean, you know, like, yeah. So like, I think one of the interesting things that we do, I mean, I think as a, a tour coach is if you have, like, I like having long relationships with my guys. We've been with each other for a long time. And um, I like to spend more time working and filming and putting them on swing catalyst and KVEST and those types of things when they're playing good. So that when they inevitably hit the period of time that they're not playing good, it's easier to sit down and go find out what they were doing then you know and so some of what tom and i have done over the past several weeks is to like okay here's the things that you've done when you're playing good like here's what the golf swing looked like let's get back to doing that in fact jackson and i were with tom and we were at uh, we were over there at frederica and we were out at dinner and we pulled up some old videos of when he played really nice at honda two years ago had a you know played a great weekend i mean he was like six or seven over through nine holes and then comes back makes a cut on the number and then plays great on the weekend and finishes like 18th or something and like it was obvious how much more hip turn he had going back and how much more trunk rotation going back and we pulled up videos from when we were down there working with him and lucas in south florida in january and and how much more he had and so you're like okay we got to get back to doing that you know and then the correlation is well Physically, he's got to be able to get back to doing that, too. So, you know, Colby's there, and we get with Colby, and Colby give, works, his, works his ass out and gives him some exercises to do more of that. So I think that that's, you know, I think that's real helpful. I mean, I think that's part of the process of helping guys maintain their career, improve, and get to where they're trying to go is understanding what they're doing when they're playing good and then helping them figure out how to do it. Yeah, no, absolutely. So. I think it's really interesting to watch these, you know, different players do, you know, all all these different types of routes like you talked about. Like every player is a little bit different and there's no one thing that's going to work for each player. It's good to have awareness of that, but as a coach, it's got to be really hard cuz it's cuz you can't just plug everybody into like this one thing and press a button and then um, you know, it works, right? You you have to adapt and you have to change and that's the hard part of that's uh, the toughest part of being a coach is figuring out you know, what's going to work for each player, which is definitely an art. Yeah. I mean, and you know, I think the thing as a coach is you, you know, if you have a stretch where everybody's playing good, (laughs) you know, there's going to be a stretch comes where everybody plays bad. So, you know, yeah, I mean, everybody's different. So you have different plans or different things you're looking. And I, you know, I think the challenging part is everybody's different to handle, right? Everybody communicates different. Some guys I have like, we text all the time. Some guys, we don't talk near as much. You know, some guys like to work for two days at a time. Some guys only want, you know, work for 45 minutes or 30 minutes when they're hitting it good. You know, so everybody's different. And I think that's, you know, so like you can't try to fit every player into your cookie cutter of how you like to work and what you like to do. If you're going to teach 
four, five, six guys or 10 guys or whatever it is, you have to have some adaptability and be able to, uh, you know, and be able to take what you're trying to do with their golf swing and adapt to how they learn the best, how they like to work the best and where they are in their life and with things going on. So rest is good. It's not something to be, uh, to be scared of any kind of like thoughts on how people get back to it. Cause like our listeners, right. Golfers, uh, obviously going to take a break this winter. If there are any, you know, in any ward North, yeah. there's probably going to be a couple months off, maybe more than that. If you're in Minnesota, like me, maybe <laughs> six months off. It's really exciting. But there's lots <laughs> of things you can do now when the weather isn't great to hit a golf ball. Right. You know, and some of this stuff's old school stuff, but like, you know, I've got a, uh, a guy that I work with that played at Spring Hill college that, uh, just missed getting through Q school by a shot Wesley Hunter, great young guy, right? So he's working on making some changes in his backswing. He's doing a ton of mirror work, right? He's making swings in a mirror, slow motion swings, doing a bunch of swings without a ball, filming it and looking at it, and he's having success. Like So that's something that if you're up north, you know that some guys will do that in the offseason. That's not for everybody. There's guys that will have a net in a garage and still hit some balls when the weather isn't good. You know, so everybody's different, you know, and, but I think the biggest thing that's changed is so now I think the off season as much as anything, and Lucas is a great example of this, like last winter, he, he really, really worked his ass off in the gym and the stuff that he did with Colby enabled him to do the stuff we were trying to do in his golf swing much more easily, much more often and more repetitive. And he picked up speed and he had his best year in whatever, 10 years or whatever it was. So like, you know, the off season, if you're trying to get better, doesn't mean you have to be hitting golf balls and playing. There's lots of ways to address things in your game. And I would tell you that the first and foremost part is getting some advice from somebody that can help get your body more able to do what it needs to do in your golf swing. And that's for any skill level, Cordy. I mean, you know, there's things like balance and, you know, balance is a huge deal. I mean, there's things you can do and a programs you can get on that can improve things for any level of handicapped golfer while it's over the winter when they can't hit. Well, and I mean, that's one of the most interesting things was that Lucas, how, what was his club head speed up or is his ball speed up like seven miles an hour or what? Yeah. Ball what speed was, was up like seven miles an hour. Right. And the club head speed was up, you know, at times four over four miles an hour, you know, on average, it was at least three, but, but that's a lot, right. For a tour yep. player. And, uh, so, you know, that's a hundred percent the work he's done with Colby. Right. I mean, I was asking him to do the same things for the most part he got better at doing them and then his body got more able to do them. And that's why I think it. And, and one of the goals that we've had with this podcast is to showcase the different parts of the team. That's why Colby's been so important. And, you know, the work he's done with Tom has been really important. And that's why I consult him with juniors and I consult his opinion with people that he doesn't even necessarily work with. But I think that, you know, the body and then like Greg with the mind, I pick his brain on, folks that he doesn't even work with like all of that stuff interacts with each other and you've got to have a good understanding how to manage you know all parts absolutely all right so you're taking probably taking december off and then back at it january with your camp where you have all all the guys down get the year kicked off right you got a good lineup here for for 2020 you're uh a lot of good things happening with the dew sweeper uh 
the Dew Sweeper Tour team. <laughs> you know, I think January is going to be big. So look, Andy Ogletree's got one more semester before he turns pro. It probably what will be the U.S. Open. So I know that uh, worked with him a little last weekend. No, he's going to take some time off because he's going to have the biggest stretch of golf he's ever played, right? He's going to play a full spring schedule of college golf and then, you know, may play one tour event in there as an amateur to kind of get used to the environment. But then he's going to, at the U.S. Open, he's going to be a pro. And, you know, obviously he hopes and I would think he's going to get exemptions. So he's going to play a full summer and then go right into Q school, if you know, and all that type of stuff. It's like, and then into the fall, it's like, I mean, that's going to be the most golf he's ever played in his life. And, and it's going to be the most important golf he's ever played in his life. So, like, being rested and ready to go is, is a big deal for him. But he's going to go with us in January down to South Florida, and he's going to hang out with me and Lucas and Robbie and the guys and Tom and, and, and where, you know, we go down there to South Florida and golf camp and Luke Guthrie, and we hang out and practice for three, four days and, and have a good time. And so I think that'll be – so one of the things I'm very excited about 2020 is his prospects of, of joining the guys out there playing because I think, one, he's a great young guy – He's an awesome player, super hard worker, but I think exposing him to some of the other guys and to some of the stuff that we do, I think is going to further help his growth. And I think it's going to be an exciting year with him. It's going to be a good year for sure. And, and we got Emilio, Emilio Gonzalez from you know Mexico, who's on the international team for Mexico, turning pro when he gets out. So we've got, you know, that's the first international flavor of the Dew Sweepers, but like exciting. So exciting stuff, you know, obviously we got the guys that have been out there and it's I mean, I love it. It's awesome. But it's exciting watching these young guys starting to experience it for the first time. It's kind of cool. For sure. You'll be at uh, you'll be at Frederica a lot this winter. Yeah. But, you know, between Frederica and Mobile, I'm going to be a lot of teaching in this offseason, you know, home more, which is nice. You know, teaching, just teaching regular golf, not as much travel till we get to January. So the next whatever, six, seven weeks you know, more in a regular traditional people coming to see you and working with them and helping them get better. So, so exciting stuff. And obviously looking forward to 2020 and, but we got some great podcasts coming. I mean, we've got Davis love sitting down with, and, and I mean, you, you took part of the, you know, the junior retreat where he spoke to the kids. I mean, the, yeah. his information's phenomenal, just like the stuff Lucas told the juniors down in South Florida and a sit down with Robbie Shelton and, you know, who's had such a great year and, making his splash on tour and then uh, sitting down with Lucas to kind of reassess the year. So we've got some great stuff coming out for the folks who've been following this podcast and me, and you know, I've just had a blast doing it with you, Cordy. Awesome. It's been fun. It's been fun. We'll see you here shortly. We're headed down to uh, Pinehurst for a golf.com top 100 summit. I'm sure we'll uh, do some podcasting there. Yeah. Be good. <laughs> we'll have a bunch of teachers. I'm sure we'll get in and you'll get a ringside seat to watch a bunch of teachers argue and yell at each other. It's good. Can't wait. Can't <laughs> wait. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Tony, thanks, man. Well, I appreciate it, Cordy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. It was really fun to sit down with Tony. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast Tour Coach for some of the good episodes which are to come soon. This episode was hosted by me, Cordy Walker. You can follow me on Twitter at Cordy Walker. It was edited, mixed, and produced by Just Hit Publish Productions. 